0: Thank you, Brother Dennis, for leading us in our singing. And good morning to all of you this morning. It's so good to be together, to share in so many things together, to share in prayer, to share in giving, to share in singing, and remembering the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection by partaking of the Lord's Supper. And now we're going to share in studying from the Word of God. Please get out your Bibles and make your way to Acts, the 28th chapter. Will you go to the last chapter, please? the last chapter of the book of Acts, a chapter that hopefully we will all read together this week as a congregation of God's people, in Acts, the 28th chapter. I want to look at the last two verses of Acts, the 28th chapter, and Acts 28. And in verse number 30, when talking about the Apostle Paul, it says that he stayed, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. And was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Where is where is the rest of it? Where is the rest of this book? Where is Acts chapter twenty nine? You mean to tell me this book we've been reading together over the last several months? This book that is loaded with all kinds of preaching and miracles and the planting of local churches throughout the world. This book that has spent the last eight chapters telling us about how the Lord providentially worked to get Paul to Rome. It ends like this. It ends with Paul in jail. It ends with Paul under house arrest. It ends with Paul preaching the gospel in a rented quarters waiting for his case to be heard by the Caesar. I don't know about you, but when I read this ending for the first time several years ago, I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. I want to know what happened to Paul. I want to know, did he ever get out of jail? Did the Caesar grant him favor? Was he ever able to preach the gospel again as a free man? Luke doesn't give us the answers to those questions. Luke doesn't tell us the outcome to Paul's case. He doesn't tell us how Paul's story ends. Instead, all he tells us is that the preaching of the gospel, it doesn't end. The preaching of the gospel doesn't stop just because the Apostle Paul lost his freedom. I don't believe, brothers and sisters, that it is by accident that Luke ends the book in this way. You see, while it might initially seemed abrupt and strange and puzzling and even dissatisfying, I submit that the conclusion of the book of Acts is equivalent to a movie That ends with the words, to be continued. To be continued. In other words, there's more to this movie. There's more to this book. There is more to this story. In fact, the book of Acts is actually an ongoing story. It is an unfinished story. It is a story that continues even in our time today, even in 2023 as we preach. And we teach and we invite and we influence and we try to do effective evangelism. We need to understand that we contribute to the story that began all the way back in the book of Acts. We add more chapters to this amazing and powerful story. We play a role in planting and watering and producing fruit in the kingdom of God. I believe that that reality goes perfectly With what we're going to talk about this morning as we wrap up our hand to the plow series that we began last year. For those of you who are members of this congregation, if you remember last year in the month of February, Brother Brian and I began preaching a one lesson a month sermon series that was directly tied to our theme for the year. Remember the theme we have for the year? was called Hand to Plow. It was called Hand to Plow. It was about working and serving and ministering and being good stewards over the various fields of life, fields like the field of the heart and the field of the family and the field of the church and even the field of the lost. In fact, if you remember in the month of November, We began talking about how to properly work the field of the lost. We talked about how working the field of the lost involves doing effective evangelism. Remember, effective evangelism begins with planting proper seeds. It begins with doing things like shining our light and being gracious and kind to other people and looking for opportunities to praise God and give him glory and offer folks a simple invitation to come and share with us and learning about Jesus. All of these things in addition to the wonderful cultivating tools that Brother Brian talked about last month are necessary in working the field of the lost. They are necessary in helping prepare people's hearts to receive the Word of God. The question though now is, is what happens next? What happens next? What happens after we do all of these kinds of things? What results can we expect to see? What, what fruit can we expect to see? What fruit can we expect to enjoy? When we do the work of planting and cultivating the field of the lost, well, I want to submit this morning that there are about four or five different fruits that we can expect to enjoy if we properly work the field of the lost. And the first fruit is this. The first fruit that we can enjoy as God's people is the fruit of confession. The fruit of confession. Let me ask you a question. What do you confess? What, what, what do you can confess to the world by the words that you speak and the clothes that you wear and the way you treat people and the way you conduct yourself on a daily basis? What do you confess to the world about yourself? Now, for me personally, for me personally, when people of the world are around me for just a little bit, It doesn't take them long before they learn a few things about me. For example, it doesn't take them long before they realize that I love sports. And I love my family. And I like to laugh and have a good time. And I like to travel and I'm from the South because of my accent. It doesn't take people very long before they realize. Those kinds of things about me, and all oh, that's fine and good and swell, but I'm going to tell you something above any and all of those things, I hope that my behavior and, and, and my words and my attitude as I interact with the lost sends a message to them loud and clear that above any of those things, before all those things, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple before I'm a sports fan. I'm a disciple before I'm a fan of basketball and football. I'm a a disciple before I'm someone who was born and raised in the South. I'm a disciple before I'm a preacher. Or before I'm a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or even a member of this church. You see, if I shine. And if I treat people right and if I'm kind and I try to glorify God in my daily life, the world will know who I am at the core. The world will know the most important thing about my identity. The world will know what is really behind the things they see me do when they interact with me on a daily basis. And I think there are a couple of different places in the Bible that emphasize this to us. I want to take you, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to show you something in 1 Peter the 4th chapter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter is writing to Christians who at this time were being persecuted for the cause of the gospel. And in 1 Peter the 4th chapter and in verse number 1, Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 1, Therefore, since Christ has, has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also for the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of the men, but for the will of God. Verse 3, for the time already past is sufficient for you, if you're, if you're a Christian, to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties and abominable idolatries and all of this, they, that's the people in the world. They are surprised that you do not run with them and to the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What observation do we need to make from that text? Well, the observation is this people in the world notice how Christians live. They notice us. They see the change in us. They see the transformation in in us, or at least they're supposed to, and often they don't like it. They're surprised by it. They're shocked by it. Peter is saying here that the world notices how the people of God live. They notice how different we are compared to other folks. It reminds me of also what Jesus said in Matthew, the 10th chapter, please. I'm going to what Jesus said, and we considered these passages a couple of months ago when we first began this portion of this sermon series. And in Matthew, the 10th chapter, Jesus said in verse number 32, Matthew 10:32, Therefore, whoever confesses me, or everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who's in heaven but whoever denies me before men i will also deny him before my father who's in heaven what is jesus talking about there in those verses someone says when those verses jesus is talking about he's talking about baptism he's talking about what we need to do before we get baptized he is saying that before we let somebody immerse us in water we need to confess what we believe about him. Is that what those verses are talking about in their context? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand while we certainly, while it is true. We need to confess what we believe about Jesus as the Lord before we get baptized. And there are a lot of passages that teach that in the New Testament. Romans 10 being the best place to go for that. While the Bible does teach that these verses here are not teaching that. These verses are not talking about that in their context. In the context, these verses are not talking about confession of Jesus before baptism. Instead, they're talking about confession of Jesus in our daily lives. They're talking about confession of Jesus and our daily interactions and conversations with other people. They're admonishing us to be conscious of the numerous opportunities we have every single day to educate the world about who we are and what we're about and what the gospel has has done for us in our lives. That is exactly what happens when the world watches us every day. That is exactly what happened when the world looks across the street. And they see us getting our family and loading them up in the car to go to church on Sunday while they get ready to go exercise or cut their grass. That's exactly what the world sees when they never hear us curse or laugh at dirty jokes. That's exactly what the world sees when they hear us say things like, well, you know what? I'm going to have to miss this basketball game. I'm going to have to miss this soccer game. I'm going to have to miss this baseball game or this football game because... I'm going to worship God or Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow at work or you know what? I've been praying for your family. I've been praying for your sick mama or your sick daddy or or your sick children. That's exactly what happens when the world sees us be kind people. And patient people and optimistic about life and we don't hold grudges and we're not bitter and we work hard and we're honest and we're ethical and we speak against the immoral practices of our society. You see, brothers and sisters, when the world, when the world just sees us live right. When they see us practice what we preach, when they see us just live an authentic and faithful life to Jesus, they learn something. They see something, they see who we are, they see that we're different, they see that we're not like everybody else in this cold, dark and ugly sinful world. They see that we're not like everybody else on this job. We're not like everybody else in this family, we're not like everybody else in this class or on the sports team, we're not like everybody else in this community, we're not like anybody they are encountering in their lives because we're Christians. We're disciples. We follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, when we just do the first step of effective evangelism and shine, just live right, live a life that brings God glory every single day. The first fruit that is born from that is the fruit of confession. We confess to the world that we're real, that we're authentic, that we are truly the people of God. And then after that fruit is born, a second fruit that may take place is the fruit of curiosity. The fruit of curiosity. You see, when the world realizes that we're different, you know what they may do? They may get curious about why we are so different. I want to go back to where our scripture reading came from this morning i appreciate brother ryan doing a fine job reading those scriptures for us go back to john chapter 4 if you remember in john chapter 4 and brother brian also spoke about this last month he preached from this text in his sermon last month but here in john chapter 4 we read about the time when jesus encountered this samaritan woman at a well remember what starts out With Jesus asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water at a well that ended with her conversion. That ended with her becoming a believer that ended with her going back into her community and doing evangelism and telling other people that they need to come and check out Jesus. How in the world did we get there? How in the world did we get to that in the story? How in the world did a conversation about water lead to this woman's conversion? Well, I submit that the main thing that led to the Lord having an opportunity to teach this woman the word of God was he made her curious. He made her curious about him. He made her eager and more eager and more eager to learn about him. I think we see this when we look at the text very carefully. Look back at John chapter 4 and in verse number 10, after John tells us why it is so, it's so radical, why it was so radical for Jesus to be speaking to this woman, because not only was she a woman and Jewish men just start conversations with women like this at this time, not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan woman. And John said at the end of verse number nine, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And she's surprised by that. Why are you asking me for that? And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and and the well is deep. Where then do I get this living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life, The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I would not be thirsty nor come all the way here to, to draw. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir. I perceive you're a prophet. Then they get into an interesting conversation about worship. She wants to know where's the right place to worship God. Do the Samaritans have it right or do the Jews have it right? He says the Jews have it right. You Samaritans have it wrong. God has to be worshipped in Jerusalem, not Mount Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans have set up their temple. The Jews have this right, but there's going to come a day when location doesn't matter when it comes to worshipping God. We're experiencing that blessing even today. You can worship God in Phoenix. You don't have to do it in Jerusalem. And then in verse number 25 The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, am he. he." At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking to a woman. Yet no one said, why do you seek? What do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. You see the journey? You see the journey Jesus took this woman on? You see the journey he took her on when it came to converting her? Do you see how Jesus worked? He worked the field of this woman's heart. By making her curious he made her curious he kept saying and doing things that created curiosity within her she wanted to know what is this living water what is that where do I get it how do I gain access to that how in the world you know that I have been married five times you see by sparking up a conversation with this woman and asking her questions which led to more questions which led to more questions jesus worked the heart of this woman he worked the heart of this woman and he bore within her the fruit of curiosity and i submit we can do the same thing today we can do the same thing even today in fact this is exactly what we do when we shine when we live right When we do the first step of evangelism and just glorify God in our daily lives, when we live the authentic life of the disciple out there in the world, you know what we do? We make people curious. We make people wonder. We make people wonder things like, why are they so happy? Why do they always have a smile on their face? Why don't they drink? Why won't they go see that movie with us? Why are they so positive and optimistic even though they just lost their job? Why have they been married for 50 years to the same person and they're still in love with that person? Why are their children so well behaved? Why are they so kind? Why are they so generous? Why are they so forgiving and loving towards all people? You see, by doing the things that we've already been talking about for the last couple of months. By shine, shining, by being gracious, by being kind, by just being an authentic and genuine disciple who's always conscious of their behavior. We make people curious. We make people curious about our faith. And our love for the Lord and that curiosity may then lead to an opportunity it may lead to a chance a chance to talk with somebody about Jesus remember the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5 he told us this he says conduct yourself conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders Making the most of the opportunity. Notice how Paul says it matters how we live out there in the world. He says every single day we got to conduct ourselves properly. We got to conduct ourselves with wisdom because then we may be given an opportunity. We may be given an opportunity to share with them our faith. Jesus certainly made the most of the opportunity he had in John chapter 4, did he not? Going back to John 4, notice how being gracious... And kind and asking this woman some very thought-provoking questions Jesus then had an open door of opportunity to teach her the truth about his identity it reminds me of what happened with Paul in Acts 16 when you go back to Acts 16 please we studied these passages a couple of months ago but I want to look at them again please remember in Acts 16 the Apostle Paul was arrested in Philippi he was thrown in jail both he and Silas And while Paul was in jail, him and Silas were singing praises to God, and then an earthquake happened. An earthquake occurred, and the jail cells were opened, and the jailer was about to kill himself. He was about to commit suicide because he thought the prisoners were going to escape, and he was going to be punished by his his superiors. And so in Acts chapter 16, and in verse number 28, When Paul realized this man's about to kill himself, verse 28 says, But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he had brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now look at verse 32. And they spoke, notice, they spoke the word of the Lord to to him together with all of those who were in his house. Notice how the compassion and the kindness and the praising of God during a dark time led to Paul having an opportunity. It led to him having a chance to sit down with this man and his family and study the Word of God. You know, this past weekend, this past weekend, I was blessed to do a weekend meeting in Garland, Texas. Garland is a suburb of Dallas. I was able to be with the Campbell Road congregation. That's where Brother Jordan Shouse is one of the preachers. And Brother Ricky Jenkins is also one of the preachers. They both have done meetings here. Jordan did a meeting for us not too long ago. Wonderful men, dear friends of mine, wonderful preachers. And I enjoyed my time there with them. And while I was there, I was able to see somebody that I hadn't seen in a very long time. And this person is very special to me and Janicia. This is a very special person. It's Whitney Lampkin. I've told you about Whitney before in past sermons. Whitney is a member of that congregation, and she was the first person I was ever blessed to have a Bible study with and baptized into Christ. I was 20 years old, wasn't thinking about being a preacher, a sophomore in college, working at Kroger. I was a cashier. She was probably 17 or 18, sacking the groceries while I sent them down there to her. And between customers, we would talk about the Bible we'll talk about Jesus. And she eventually obeyed the gospel and became a Christian. But when I saw her recently, and it's been a long time since I've seen her, maybe maybe 15 years or so. I learned something. I learned something I didn't know after 20 years almost. I learned from Whitney that would really got me that opportunity. Nearly 20 years ago, to sit down with her and talk with her about the Bible wasn't really anything to do with me. Instead, it had to do with that beautiful woman sitting in that back pew back there. Whitney came to me after I preached my last sermon last weekend. After I preached my last sermon in Garland, she came to me and she's got two children now. She's got a son who's a Christian. She's raising her daughter to serve the Lord. And she said, I want you to do something, Sean. She said, I want you to go back, and I want you to give a message to your wife. I said, okay. She said, I want you to go tell your wife that I never would have listened to anything you had to say to me about the Bible if she wasn't so nice and sweet to me when we worked together at the movie theater. Worked together at the movie theater? I forgot about that i forgot that at that time not only was whitney working with me at kroger she was also working with janicia at the movie theater she had two jobs i forgot about that and so you know what that meant that meant she was interacting with me on my job and also interacting with janicia on her job and she said the reason she was willing to sit down with me outside of the grocery store to sit down with us outside of the grocery store and study the bible It wasn't because I'm a sweet, nice, and good person. That kind of hurt my feelings. (laughs) Instead, it was because, like Max used to tell me, I married over my head. It's because of Genesia. You know what that showed me when she told me that? The Bible's right. The Bible's right. Jesus is right. The world is really watching us. Our influence really matters. People are watching us and they're gonna be more inclined to listen to what we have to say from the gospel if we shine and if we're nice and gracious and if we seek to build a relationship with Him. Listen carefully, my dear friends. We live in a time where if you're waiting for some Acts 2 moment to take place where you stand before thousands of people and 3,000 people obey the gospel, your chance of that happening are very slim. We don't live in that kind of time because of all the religious error and all the religious confusion going on in this world. If we're going to win people, we got to build relationships with them. We got to get to know them. We got to try to get to know them at a basic fundamental level. Let them know we care about them and then they may, that may give us a chance. That may give us an opportunity to study with them the word of God and after we get that opportunity. What may happen next is a conversion. A conversion. Sister Whitney now, she was converted by the gospel of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. And so was that Samaritan woman back in John chapter 4. Remember that? That Samaritan woman, after she spent some time with Jesus and she listened to Jesus, she was converted. The Bible says in verse number 28, she left her water pot. She went to the city and she said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And then all the men came out to hear Jesus. This woman was converted after spending time and building a relationship with Jesus. And then remember, in the case of the jailer. After he spent some time with the Apostle Paul, the Bible says that after Paul taught him, he took them that very hour of the night, probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized. He and all his household. And go back to Acts 28 again, please. Acts 28, we read verses 30 and 31 at the beginning of our lesson, but I want to show you verses 24 and verses going down to verse number 28, Acts 28, 24. The Bible says that while Paul was in prison in Rome waiting for his case to be heard by the Caesar, some were being persuaded. He's teaching the word of God. And some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand, and you will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive, for the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they've closed their eyes, otherwise they may see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will also listen. I want you to notice carefully, verse twenty four. Look at verse 24. I want to suggest that that verse right there really does a good job summing up the book of Acts. It really does a good job summing up our evangelistic work today. You see, like in the time of the Apostle Paul 2000 years ago, when we teach, when we preach, when we invite and influence and try to persuade people to follow Jesus, some of those people are going to be or not going to be persuaded. Some of them are not going to be persuaded. They're not going to listen. They're not going to consider. They're not going to obey the word of God. But there are going to be other people who will listen. They will consider. They will obey. They will be converted because they have humble and honest hearts. In fact, there are at least 150 people in this room right now who can testify to that, right? There are at least 150 people in this room right now who are Christians. Your disciples and your journey to Jesus began with another Christian's influence. It began with another Christian shining their light before you for a period of time and that made an impact on you. That inspired you that inspired you to read your Bible or to ask questions about the Bible or to accept an invitation to a worship assembly or to sit down with them and let them teach you the Bible, whether it was your mama or your daddy or a grandparent or a spouse or a friend or a co-worker. I don't care who we are this morning. If we're Christians, we all found our way to Jesus because somebody helped us. Somebody loved us enough to help us. Somebody loved and cared enough about our soul to influence us and be patient with us and invite us and teach us and help convert us by the gospel. They did for us the most important thing that anybody could ever do for somebody, and that is help them find their way to God. Help them find their way to Jesus. Help them understand That yes, we have sinned against a holy God, we violated God's law, but we can be saved and forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, if we shine, if we are real, if we're genuine, if we're kind and gracious and pray for opportunities and have the wisdom and the courage to make the most of those opportunities where they present themselves. The honest people. The honest people will obey. The honest people will be converted. They will give their lives to Jesus Christ. And when that happens, a final fruit we can enjoy is the fruit of contribution. The fruit of contribution, the fruit of being able to contribute to the unfinished story of Acts. I want to ask you one more time to consider those last two verses in the book of Acts notice how this amazing book concludes this book we've been reading for the last several months it concludes with the Apostle Paul in Rome he's finally made it to Rome he's in Rome but he's under house arrest he's in prison waiting to appear before the Caesar and we're not told what happens when he appears before the Caesar we're not told if he gets his freedom or not we're not told the outcome of this case that luke's been emphasizing for the last five chapters instead this book ends without finishing the story it doesn't finish the story it leaves us hanging it leaves us in suspense and the reason for that is because the book of acts is an unfinished story it's an unfinished story it's a story that doesn't end with the apostle paul in prison It continues even today. In fact, we contributed to this story when we became Christians. We contributed to this story when we were baptized for the remission of our sins. We contribute to this story every time we influence and we invite and we teach and we help try to bring people to the Lord. You see, one of the great blessings of doing evangelism is every time we do it, We contribute to the story of Acts every time we do it we contribute to the same story that Peter was part of and Paul was part of and Barnabas and Aquila and Priscilla and and Philip and Stephen we contribute to the same story that all these people contributed to that we can read about in the Bible and so as we get ready to wrap up Acts and our hand to the plow series I want to encourage you to add more chapters to the story. I want to encourage you to be conscious of the lost around you, build relationships with them, pray for an opportunity to reach them and then seize those opportunities whenever they present themselves. In fact, speaking of prayer and evangelism, I want to ask you to bow your head and go into a word of prayer with me concerning that. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, our God, our King, we're so thankful, Father, for the glorious gospel. We're thankful for the gospel that converted us if we're Christians and changed our lives and helped draw us, bring us unto you. And we pray, Father, that we will have the zeal and the courage and the love to share this gospel with the people that we come into contact with in our little circle of life. We pray father that you will bless us as we wrap up this series of lessons and our theme of hands of the plow bless us father to to be people who work who work hard in your field who work hard father to be good stewards of the field of our hearts and the field of our families and of the church and the lost we're thankful father for the time we've had to study these things over the past year And we look forward to our shepherds introducing to us a new theme next week so we can have our focus on where it needs to be, and that is serving you and bringing you glory as a church in this place. Thank you, Father, for the forgiveness as founding your son. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and amen. Well, we're going to get ready to sing this song in just a moment. We talked about how the book of Acts is an unfinished story. And that being said, maybe there's somebody here who wants to contribute to the story. Maybe there's someone here who wants to be part of this story by obeying the gospel. There's someone here who wants to add a new chapter to Acts today. By obeying the gospel, by believing in the Lord and being baptized for the remission of your sins, you can contribute. So the unfinished and ongoing story of Acts, right here and right now, and if we can help you with that, come to the front. So we